TFS, episode number 89. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Well, Greg, welcome back. How's things? We're yeah, we're back. It's mm-hmm. only been a month. Woo-hoo. Oh, well, there we go, indeed. Well, we had a we had a <laughs> session last time where I was we, we were doing some training on production, so hopefully this one will come out a lot quicker. If you're going to do it, we'll see how we go. It, it, which, yeah, everybody listening, yeah, I am going to try to produce the show this week. You know, so if it's all butchered, all that to, to heck, and the audio is all messed up, it's all my fault. Yeah, and if you hear all the swearing in it as well, I know. <laughs> You find out. Yeah, I'm not editing anything, you know. <laughs> Starting and ending. That, yeah. That's, you know, putting on the music. That's about it. So. Brilliant. How's, uh, we haven't, how's, how's your son? How's he doing? Is he all, he's all back and everything, isn't he? We don't, we haven't really given the listeners an update on. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no, he's back. Um, he, he finished out the semester. He's in summer school right now. Um, he's settled on a major. You know, he's kind of, he's going to be a, um, archaeology, um, anthropology. Cool. So he, he's like really into that. As a matter of fact, he's going on a, uh, like a summer intern camp out thing uh-huh. in a couple of weeks where he'll be gone the whole week doing archaeology stuff in the hills here in Southern California. So is he in archaeology and anthropology or? Um, you know, I try to pin him down on that. Okay. He's all like, yeah. Okay. Answer. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But he's got another, another year in a junior college and he'll have a dual, um, Anthropology and geography associate's degree. And then he'll, he's looking at, you know, what four year uh, to go to next year. My wife had a simply called that she did uh, natural sciences at Durham <laughs> University, which is kind of, um, you know, anthropology and, um, history of science and things like that. It was good. She went off to be, she became a teacher. So anthropology is quite handy if you want to become a teacher, you know, studying of <laughs> apes and things. <laughs> anyway, was, yeah, yeah. I, I can see my son doing more of the archaeology yeah. stuff, and you know, I, I I don't know see him much as a teacher, but I oh, well. maybe never archaeology know. you could figure out half of my co bases. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> Cool. Well, we've been uh, the the team have been busy, so uh, you know, there's been a couple of Visual Studio updates, uh, including an accidentally early update from Brian on one of his blog posts, which is quite funny. <laughs> he uh, d- he didn't quite hit his delayed publish button in the blog software, but never mind. That was quite good. So um, we've had some quite. A, have you noticed the, the? Do you use the Agile planning boards much? Or you, or you, you, you used on prem TFS mostly, don't you? On prem. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, the agile planning boards have really been coming along. I use them. Sounds daft, but I use them for planning my own work, like just me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> especially now I've got this new job over at the .NET Foundation, I'm kind of managing. I've got lots of balls in the air, and um, it's mostly me managing them all. So it doesn't make sense for me to have a stand up with myself every day. So rather <laughs> than having a stand up with myself every day, I'm actually like going through my tasks. You know, my, my task board for the day and just kind of, you know, seeing where I'm at and seeing different things I need to get done and drive them along and push them along a bit more. So, uh, yeah, it sounds really weird. It's really weird. But anyway, I've been using the planning board uh, more and more for myself. No, I, I've, I've heard a number of people who use the agile and boards for, you know, home projects <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, and it's not. coming along really well. They're getting a lot more lightweight, you know, a lot more, it's just a lot more things you can do from the actual board itself rather than having to go into the work item. Um, and they've been doing, uh, you know, a lot more customizable. So you can do like Kanban swim lanes and things and just tie, it's just very iterative, tidying up the look and feel. And, but when I say iterative, I don't mean, 
um, like tiny improvements. There's lots of just lots of goodness, just small but good arriving over time. It seems to be every single every single sprint, every single uh, update. There seems to be something else in those boards, which I, I, that's the kind of development I like, you know, rather than big bang, just lots right. of iterative stuff, and then they learn as they go. So that was good. And then the other big thing that came out since we last were on the show is uh, V Next is is here now in public preview, so everybody's got it enabled on their uh, accounts the now. Build V Next, right? V Next, yeah, yep, yep. So um, you can get it. In enabled on your accounts now um there's a couple of good blog posts to go uh look at so uh jan uh jan marie ricci maria ricci sorry jan he's um he's done a post about how to get the new build, build agent set up and a uh, friend of a show martin hinchwood also has done a blog post about getting build agents set up um so that, that, that that's worth looking at because um you actually uh you have to go get the build agent you know you have to prov- bring your own build agent right now anyway um to get this set up and get it up and running and mm-hmm. um you install it you sort of have visual studio in and you install it on windows um it's an it's an unzip it's an x copy install basically an unzip is kind of what you do and then over on the um, the cross-platform side, you go to npm and you you sort of npm update it kind of thing. So uh, it's really good. It's it's getting there. You can you know it's you can tell it's definitely in preview still. Um, but oh, it's so much nicer. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, talking about build, Colin hmm? has a great article about why do you want to switch. Oh, wow. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got like, what is it, 18 different points here as to, yeah, it may be, you know, this preview may be a little bit of a pain to install and stuff, but look at the why behind it. Um, we've talked about it in the show before, I think a few times and yeah. it, it, it really is build V3. Yeah. And this is going to be, it looks like, you know, the right one. Yeah. It's just a lot of the stuff that was fundamentally broke in the existing way of doing builds, you know, like version of things is just all fixed, you know, designed in. Um, mm-hmm. but also, um, I was showing, uh, in at my demo at build, um, I was showing people some of the build Renex features, and one of the one of the cool things you can do is um, gated builds for Git. Kind of, you know, TFECs had gated hmm. check-in for quite a while, but on right. the Git side, you can do like the equivalent of a gated build uh, using build Renex. So, but with Git, because you know it uses branches heavily and stuff, how it works there is you do a pull request. And then you actually configure um, a check-in policy. Well, not a check-in policy, sorry, a branch policy on the branch in so in, in Git. Um, uh-huh. So you say, hey, before before somebody can merge this code into this branch, it has to have had like two reviewers that have approved it. <laughs> or um, the other thing you can configure is this build has to have ran and it has to have passed. So. This is like, that's cool. I mean, that's awesome. But then if you think about it, this is running continuous integration. You know, continuous integration was run a build on every single check-in and that was awesome. Right. That's great. Right. Or the delayed between them or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. you never, you never get a broken. And then the whole thing is, you know, you don't, you don't get, you don't, you don't download a code base where half of the code is broke and doesn't work. <laughs> and that's not, right. that's why CI is good because it forces you to integrate often and, and mm-hmm. don't delay that pain. Well, uh, a, a gated check-in in TFEC or or configuring your pull request to run a build, you know, you're doing a build before check-in and the build it runs on a gate on a gated, um, sorry on, using using the git policies in build vnext um, against a branch that it's running a build on the result of what the merge would be if you were to take this branch and merge it into this other branch so it's not 
what is you know does the build on the code that joe blogs uh pushed up it's not does that succeed it's if i take this code and merge it with the current main line of my other branch would it still build would it would it pass the build so that way if there's absolutely no excuse for a broken build you know because you know with a very high degree of confidence that when you press that accept pull request button um it will merge fine and it'll and it will already it's already built so that's pretty amazing really yeah. And there's loads of powerful things. Once that's in place, there's loads of really cool things you could do in the back end because of the way that Git works. Um, to do the build, it actually has to have created the commit, which is the result of merging this, this thing in with the main line of code. So actually before you've even, before that source code is even there over on the build machine, you've already created the commit that is the result of the merge and you know what that ID is and you can already associate the build with that ID. So, your build can be tagged with the ID of the commit that will end up in your repository when this merge is made. <laughs> I, I, somebody has to draw pictures. Yeah, 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 right. You know? <laughs> Sorry. But it's just brilliant. They're like the possibilities are just amazing. You know, it's, it's just some huge stuff you do there. And you like you think about caching and things as well. Anyway, there's just some really amazing things you do once you start doing that sort of thing. So it's looking awesome. And um, my favorite feature is the proper console. You know, you go in console and you actually get the build output arriving as well as it obviously being a cross-platform build agent and stuff. But anyway, build me next is available. Go play with it. And uh, go tell us, go tell the team what you think. Um, we'll maybe get Brian McFarlane and Chris on the show, uh, Chris Patterson on the show to talk about it at some point. That would be quite good, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. We definitely need to hear more about that. Okay. So um, next story up, I think we're talking about the scaled agile frame. Speaking of updates, the scaled agile framework, also called SAFE, S-A-F with a little e. Um, they've updated the Visual Studio online process templates for SAFE. Now, I really don't know a lot about SAFE. We're going to have to get Angela on yeah. and have her give us an education on SAFE because she did a really, she did a great presentation for the last MVP summit on SAFE and had pictures and slides. And I actually understood what she was talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, which is always good. Kind of, so in, in Microsoft, we kind of sort of use some of this notion. And it's good that they're formalizing it actual proper safe you know so you <clears throat> above um so you have like stories which are mapped into features or features which are mapped into epics kind of thing so you know you have right. um you know do all that sort of stuff and a bit more structure and it helps you the idea behind safe is as i understand it anyways to kind of help you do uh agile at scale agile across teams and have all scrum scrums and all that sort of so yeah what does it say for epics release trains and handling multiple backlogs right. so it's yeah it's a scaled up Agile, yep. agile for grown-ups. Yeah, and it's kind of, I say, it's how some of the teams work in Microsoft, how kind of how we work as well. So, um, right. yep, it, it's definitely worth checking out. Let's get Angela on for a show. There you go. That's already two yeah. shows sorted out. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> and you don't have to, if you're on, if you've got on-prem, there's process templates you can download for safe as well. Yeah, they're all on MSDN, aren't they? They're, they're downloads yeah. already. Uh, download Center, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Um, speaking of updates as well, we also, uh, I noticed Soma tweeted that we've done a, um, an update to Visual Studio Code, our, you know, the cross-platform editor. Um, so is it open source now? Oh, <laughs> not, no. not quite. Sorry. But, uh, the, um, the, the, the updates that they talked about, uh, it's, you know, you might as well be because look at the, the detail in those release notes. 
I'm, they're going to have a hard time to follow if they keep this level of detail up in there. Uh, yeah. Epic. So just really. go to yeah code.visualstudio.com whack updates and you get the release notes there. Um, lots of stuff that they've obviously had, you know, responding to feedback from actual real usage rather than their usage. So lots of changing to key bindings and things. They did some stuff with, you know, like command line arguments starting it up again. That's, that's feedback definitely coming back from the Linux and the Mac crowd there. Um, in terms of how they actually integrate code, you know, it's funny, you build in the tool and you, you're really excited with your tool, but now they're getting feedback from people who are trying to integrate this tool into their workflow. And there's a whole different set of features that come along, which is really interesting. Um, you file encoding, sorted out, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, there's, you know, just a bunch of lots of little settings and things. One of the important things to know, though, is, um, that one of the things that wasn't fixed in the current version, or you know, doesn't seem to be. They've changed a lot of the way they're doing the launching, and as a mm-hmm. result of that, you actually have to uh, you have to actually do a reinstall. So you have to you know uh, the the built-in update functionality within code didn't didn't actually work for this update. So you have to actually you know manually update it yourself. But hopefully uh, things will start to self-update pretty soon. Well, I don't know. You know, it takes an awfully long time to download and install this. So yeah, I know. With a DMG file as well, it's like, you know, copy paste. You drag <laughs> and drop it into the application folder. We're all spoiled with Chrome. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Now, interesting. Now, that, Chrome this thing is so small yeah. anyway. To uninstall, reinstall and uninstall this one time, you know, they get a buy on it. So right. I, I know and, and, on, the, on Windows, Chrome is a lot more up to date for me than on the Mac because on, <laughs> on Windows, you restart, you restart the process. Whereas on the Mac, I very rarely restart my Chrome process. And so mm-hmm. I noticed that, you know, I'm like, wow, I'm on, I'm on an old version over here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because I haven't restarted my computer or Chrome for about seven years. So I need to, like, <laughs> force a quit and then go back into it. So there we go. But it's it's nice to see the Visual Studio Code team. They're even doing open source kind of version numbers. This is 0.3.0 huh. release. So that's very... You and know. they're on the 3.0 release already. When when did we do? So this is no, no. They're on the zero. Yeah, zero release. That's yeah. But when was so like? Uh, I, this was shipped in uh, yeah. build. Build was April. I haven't installed this machine. Can I say that? So yeah, build was installed in yeah yeah. Anyway, anyway yeah, that's, that's pretty. So it's basically in a month, machine. isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the 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 um, cadence is good. Yep. Well, that that team have been doing a very good cadence for a long time, so I'm hoping that they keep up this. This and that's yeah, lots of rapid changes. Good, they're a great team. They're just amazingly awesome. Okay, um, so yep, you know. Everybody, you know, Martin, everybody knows how I like the dog fooding and how I like watching Microsoft dog food this stuff. So Brian Harry recently talked about, and we've talked about these posts in, in the past years as well, about how um, the team uh, foundation server and VSO adoption at Microsoft is going and what some of the numbers are. Mm. And, and they're just kind of insane numbers. Uh, so Brian did a post uh, to yesterday mm-hmm. uh, on, on the numbers and, uh, you know, Adoption growth and, you know, the, the on-prem is slowing down pretty much because it's getting saturated already, but VSO is, is jumping up. Now, my one suggestion to Brian would be maybe you can help us with that. Mm-hmm. There are three group names here. Okay. ASG, yeah. CNE, and OSG. Okay. What are those again? So that is ASG is Office. 
basically. It's okay. uh, application systems groups at Office and a bunch of other things like that. C&E is uh, Dev, Div, and Azure. You can get okay. well, it's mostly Dev, Div are in that number right now. And then OSG, you can think of as Windows. It makes mostly an Xbox, but mostly Windows. So wait, the Windows group, their numbers are higher, number of users are that much higher than C&E? Yeah, there are a heck of a lot more people in that team. So I guess that makes sense. So um, and they're all like all. Of, oh, hang on, let's just check. This is public. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, because it in the comments. Awesome. All of their work is they're mostly they're using it for work items. So their entire like work item tracking system for oh, well, there Brian moved does over. it in the comments. He talks about yeah. the different names. There the we comments. go. Okay. Duh. Well, perfect. There we go. This is great. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Out of turn, this is good. I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that's mostly work items right now, uh, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. Uh, they have got some source in there, but it's mostly work. Items. And then um, C&E is a, would, be, would have a lot more source code in there um, than the other groups as well. Like, or, you know, so all of that's all the source codes, a large chunk of it's over there now as well. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, slowly moving over. Um, a lot of the, it was this time last year, actually. So it's really fascinating when you look at these numbers. Like January last year, the number on the Windows and the ASG side was at zero or close to zero. And so, yeah, like last year was mad in terms of getting people onboarded internally into VSO. And then around about July last year was when we switched on internally AAD support. Um, So Active Directory support in VSO. And that was when... That was the feature that like product groups needed to really, you know, enterprise users really needed to start really using VSO properly for right. enterprise workload. And that's when the numbers shot up. So it would actually be fascinating to see that graph go back another like 12 months and see the ping, you know, the massive jump as soon as we enabled AAD. And then, but if you look now, it's still, um, yeah, it's still, you know, Pretty big numbers. Well, you know, like nearly eighteen thousand people in the in the AS, in the OSG team using BSO every using single day. BSO, yeah, active. And these are active. These are so active yeah. is def- uh, and that's actually active active as well. But they're, they're, they're quite strict about those definitions. So um, an active user is somebody, if I remember, it's something like somebody who's done something within. I think it's like within thirty days. I can't remember. It's either thirty days or a couple of weeks. And then we've got we've got another metric which is like really active deeply engaged i think we call it and that's mm-hmm. um they have to have been on the service uh for half of the past month so like i think it's 12 days in the past 30 something like that so it, you know it makes sure that we can include yep. weekends and things but that's somebody who's on the system all the time and even those numbers are, are insane like um i wouldn't know what they are um, right now, but it was, it was, you know, well over 10,000 users were, you know, in like Microsoft are deeply, you know, deeply engaged kind of thing is what you would say. So, um, yeah, it's crazy amount. So it's not, it's not yeah. just people who have access. These are people who are actively <laughs> using the system. Not a user group, not a user ID count. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah Brian, Brian actually talked about that. Uh, deeply engaged that measures people who have used the service at least 12 separate days in the month. And the number go. is closer to 14,000. Wow. So yeah, that's going to be even as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's pretty crazy. It's busy. Wow. <laughs> so will it support your five month team? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, will it support your enterprise? Yeah. And which version of VSO are they on? That will be the same version as everybody else. 
Yeah. And, it, and it's fascinating seeing the things that attract internal teams to VSO as well. It's the same things that attract people in the real world. You know, it's like, well, I, you know, you're saying you're going to take, I want all the latest features like really early. How can I get those? Go on VSO. Okay. It's fascinating. And then you're not, you know, and yeah, you know, and then you, you, it's, it's the conversations exactly the same because I was obviously involved in the conversation last year trying to get these teams on boarded and it's, you know, what, what do you mean pouring my source code in Azure sort of thing, you know, and you get all those kind right. of conversations and then you go through all the stuff. And again, that's where a lot of this certification requirements that we've, you know, VSO's got loads of different certifications in terms of security and stuff now and things like that. And a lot of that, you know, a lot of that was so needed for internal adoption as well as external. Real VSO as in like really in the cloud yeah. or is it internal no, 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 no. This is, segmented? This is VSO. So the Windows team is creating work items for Windows and Windows 10 and, and, and those kind of stuff in the real, in the cloud VSO, the same VSO that you and I would. That's not a separate special VSO. It's the same VSO. Now I'm going to, I'm going to in bit of inside baseball here for you. This is, this right. is a podcast for it. Um, we do have the ability to customize work items on certain, we can enable that on certain accounts. And the ASG team are actually one that got that enabled because we didn't have time to do all the customization stuff that we're doing to make it broadly available. Mm -hmm. So they have like some configure, they have some feature flags enabled that aren't on everybody's account. So that's one of them. And then we also have, um, you know, we went to multi-instance VSO. So we needed, um, when you get to certain, if you want, if you want certain levels of availability, right. um, if you look at the availability of a data center, it's around about the sort of four nines mark. And if you're trying to get better than that, then or is, it, is it even three nines? I don't know, but it's not, it's not lots of nines. It's not five right. nines. And so if you want to have, um, some sort of availability, like you need to, you need to start to be having multi data center systems available. And right. so we move, we move to multi instance VSO, uh, um, a while back. And that's how you can pick. I want this in Europe or I want this in Australia or that's what we've also done actually since we last talked. We've enabled VSO in Australia now. Um, mm -hmm. if you're in Australia or New Zealand. <laughs> uh, so, um, so by doing that, we, we have what we call, um, different ring levels of what that we can like have the instance on or you can think of them as instance numbers basically. That there is an instance that is dedicated to, um, to, uh, like in, in a group of internal teams of which the OSG team is one of them. And so when we roll out fixes, um, we roll out the, we, we roll out the update to SU, to, to rings it SU zero, first of all, instance zero. And that's where all the really early adopter accounts are on. And that's where the VSO team live. And so if something breaks, they know about <laughs> it before anybody else. They're the canary in the coal mine and the MVPs are on that one as well. And then, then it, then it rolls out to like the, the Windows guys, you know, and other people. So they're, they're, they're and then it rolls out to, paying you know actual external customers and things like that not not that we don't care about the windows guys we care about them a lot because they get very shouty on phone calls when you break their system you know and you're, and you're holding up like the release of windows 10 but uh you know um yeah it's it's been an interesting it's been good it's been they've been really good partners actually and um the changes that i was a bit worried when brian decided he was gonna like hey let's get the asg team on board and the osg team are like, are you crazy this is like you know this is this these are 
like completely different to um, the kind of customers we were aiming VSO at at the time, which was the smaller teams. But actually, it turns right. out loads of things have happened because of these teams coming on board, like AAD integration, but also a lot of the like markdown support and the a lot of the richness of the features in the Git support and things have been driven by a lot of the internal adoption too. So no, it's been worthwhile. It's just been it's been a long road. So uh, yep. All good stuff. Anyway, sorry, that was a complete aside. Never mind. No, that's good. I love that kind of thing. Okay, there we go. Yeah, hopefully, or hopefully, most of that's in Brian's blog post. Otherwise, I'll get into trouble. But hey, I don't work for him anymore, so he can, he can, he can. Uh, <laughs> it's harder for him to fire me, only marginally. Um, da, da, da. right. Should we do the? Should I do the sponsor shout out for a change? How about that? Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, episode eighty nine of Radio TFS is brought to you by SAS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com. That's www.sas a-S-M-A-D-E-E-A-S-Y dot com or just email them sales at SAS Made Easy and thanks to them for the show. Now back to the show, Greg. So I, uh, being an MVP, yay, still. Yay, still. You haven't, you haven't been fired from that gig yet haven't either. Haven't been fired. Well, no. Brilliant. We'll see what happens in October. Is that when you renewal anyway. day is? Okay, right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's not as cool as a January 1st MVP or an April 1st MVP, but okay. That's an MVP still. Um, there's a there's a mailing list that a lot of the VSA We can always fire you from the October group and then recruit you back in January if you want to leave you hanging. <laughs> if you really want, that'd be fine. I, I can arrange that. Carry on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, there was a threat, and this is this is actually an extremely um, uh, uh, busy threat. At least what I consider extremely busy. There are emails, you know, throughout the day, all day, and it goes deeply into Brian Harry is on the list, and uh, a lot of the ALM uh, via, uh, MVPs, if I've already said. One of the things that came about that I was been liking about it um, is a lot of the times there's NDA stuff, but in this message there isn't. And one of the questions that I saw today. Uh, that Aaron Hallberg answered and said, this is okay to share is, you know, right now, uh, uh, what are the versions that are going to be supported? You know, Visual Studio TFS 2015 is on the cusp. They're both available in RC, you know, coming. Oh, and TFS you know, 2015 as well, the on-prem instance. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is going to be the compatibility? You know, are my VS 2012 people still going to be able to connect? What about VS 2013? What about VS, you know, uh, uh, 2010? You know, will Team Explorer work? What about build agents? That kind of thing. So the question was, with 2015, will 2008, 2010, 2012, and I assume 2013 still connect through Team Explorer? And what about the uh, build agents? Mm -hmm. The answer was, is 2015 will support the same clients as 2013. So meaning that... 2013, 2012, 2010 will be able to connect via Team Explorer. So it Mm -hmm. should just work. If you've got 2013, 2012 people, and I know I do here, um, Team Explorer should still work when you upgrade your server. 2008, it's just version control in the MISCI client, which is what is currently in 2013. Yep. The build agents, which is, this is actually pretty awesome. Uh, These are the traditional build agents, not the VNext necessarily build agents, but the 2013, 2012, 2010 build agents will also be supported. Yeah. And that's, that's huge because. 
Um, you know, some people have lots of build agents in their organization, so upgrading the server and, and requiring your build agents to be upgraded as well was a massive pain. So yeah, 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 yeah. When, when that happened in with the 2010 release, because I remember I was really excited about that because it was keeping them all in sync and having multiple well, the client machines. Did, but yeah, the 2012 one wasn't it that with 2012 for the initial release, 2010 didn't work, and then they added it in, or maybe. That's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely. It's it's it's. So, I'm glad they've done it. And and again, advantage of having VSO because <laughs> right. you know it's really hard to just say, oh, by the way, everybody's clients can suddenly stop work. <laughs> so. And and speaking of the updates, uh, Jeff Livingston. Did you know uh, Jeff was on the team now? By the way, have we have we mentioned that? Because Jeff, I think Jeff, so. has Jeff been on the show? I don't know. Jeff was a, has been a long time MVP, and uh, right. you know, and he's um, used to work with Northwest Cadence as well, and he's worked, you know, worked at other places, and he's been on the speaker circle. Well, he's actually part of the TFS team now. So there we go. As long as I'm hooking up the right name to the right face, he and I we hung out at the MVP summit. He was talking about how he was an MVP, uh, and he was just recently on the team. And I asked him, we chatted about how was it coming from the outside to the inside and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, big guy, tall guy. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, he's okay, super nice guy. Really, really, really nice guy. Uh, so he did a blog post. You know, there is this rollout. Is, is going to be the 2015 rollout. There's going to be a lot of stuff, uh, that, that changes. Um, the schema changes were pretty big. The schema changes. We talked so a little bit about be- that, haven't we, in terms of, um, upgrade times and things, making sure you test it. And it doesn't seem too bad, but there are a lot of database changes happening under the covers. So. Right, right. So this, this tool isn't that. There's going to be, there's another tool that we'll, we'll, we'll highlight as well, but, um, this was for the reporting. So, you know, uh, when you do need to do a bulk upgrade mm. mm-hmm. to the reports, which is something that, you know, reporting seems to get, at least in the past, it's always been, you know, the redheaded stepchild on it. But this tool, which is pretty awesome because it's on CodePlex, yep. uh, will help you in dealing with the updates to the reports. Cool. So, uh, uh, you know, all the projects created in TFS 2013, 2012, this will update those to work. So brilliant. That will be nice. That will be nice. And there's going to be another tool for TFS, the pre-upgrade tool that you can run on your TFS 2013 instance. And I'm not sure about 2012, uh, but that will do some of the updates for you. So when you actually roll out 2015, it'll be much faster. We Didn't we talk about that, the, that, that first production release? We did that yeah. last show. We talked about the first production release uh, was done, and it took him like – he had nine gigs. Yeah, it, did, it seemed okay. You know, it took him a few minutes. Yeah, but um, for, for bigger ones, there's going to be a tool to make that go a little bit faster. Definitely. Oh, and if, if you don't know Jeff, Jeff's like the man when it comes to reports as well. Um, he always has been for years and years and years. So, uh, yeah, if he's doing that, then I would definitely, um, definitely trust that that, w- you know, if he's involved in that s- stuff, then I would definitely trust that that's happening. So. Oh, interesting. It's a, it's a, a PowerShell script. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yep. And the source is there. You can go take a look. So uh, it's all good. <laughs> okay. Uh, then, um, Mickey uh, did a, an excellent post with a, a video on the ALM Rocks site uh, around IntelliTest 
I actually didn't know we were calling it IntelliTest now until we saw this post. So there we go. This is like the old PEC stuff and things like that. This is the way of, you know, creating – it actually analyzes your code for you and um, creates unit tests that, anal- that, that exercise the code paths you have exposed and things like that. So, uh, right. yep, it's really good. And the best thing is, say, done a short, you know, five-minute video on the IntelliTest – on the introduction to IntelliTest over on YouTube, which is – if you're going to do anything, just watch that five-minute video and then that will give you – you know, the bluffer's guide so uh, and help get you started. And that's a good name. It was originally codenamed Smart Unit Tests, and that just got people hot under the collar. Yep, you just have to smart yeah, exactly. test. You just have to be so, careful. Yeah, when you say it. Is... test rather than intelli, you know, intelli trace <laughs> and intelli sense and things. We like intelli. Why yeah. don't why not just call it eye test? Surely that would have been fine. Exactly. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? So another friend of a show, Gordon Beaming. Mm-hmm. Gordon, yes, we're talking about you because I know you're going to be listening. I did a great – That was a good episode, by the way. Online. If anyone hasn't heard that, make sure you go listen to the show with Gordon. But anyway, carry on. And we got, we got to get him back yeah, on. We've we got to make him yep. like – you know. Yep, let's get him back on. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah, let's get a regular cadence going. Mm-hmm. Then we'll get the – Okay, boss. Right, carry on. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Now that I'm going to start helping produce yeah. the show, you know, we can no longer blame Martin for the delays in the rollout. So, yep. uh-oh. Um, Gordon did a great series on the VSO series. Uh, how do you set up? You know, we've talked about get on it, get on it, get on it. It's free for five uses. It's free. You know, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, but sometimes it's just easier to see it. So he's done a five-post series from creating a new VSO account to doing your first project, connecting Visual Studio to it, connecting Team Manager to it, creating iterations on VSO. Uh, you know, so if you're interested in getting started in VSO, the the four of you out there who are listening who don't have a VSO account, uh, you got to check out Gordon's post, and, and it'll get you up. It's really hard to be any harder to get started. So, um, and now why, why do you want to be on Visual Studio online today? Willie P also past guest host Mm -hmm. uh, has seven cool features that the ALM Ranger team noticed on Visual Studio online. So this is another thing just, just to check it out. What are these? Why should I really care? Uh, what, what's going to drag me into it? Well, his short post here, seven t- items that are really kind of cool as to why you should get started with it. So no more excuses. Martin, get on Visual Studio. Oh, wait, you already are. Yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> Greg, get on it. There we go. Um, well, but why can't you? Maybe it's because Visual Studio Online isn't enterprise ready yet. Ah, oh. oh, this was smooth transition, seamless. <laughs> uh, Mateusz Gold has a good bulk post, actually, and he, he kind of talks about some of the um, objections people give, you know, around like moving a company over into VSO. Um, mm-hmm. the, the main ones, it used to be, it used to be authorization and authentication. And then the next one was, um, uh, often you would hit, you know, wanting to be able to control which continent that the data was kept in, you know, not wanting it to go outside of Europe or wanting it close to you if you're in Australasia, things like that. Now those ones are getting fixed. So the next one that you get is around, um, the process customization problems, uh, the lack of, you know, um, SQL Server reporting services reports, and then just generally like moving to VSO, you know, the cost of moving. And, and Matthias has a good post kind of explaining those. Process customization is getting fixed, basically. Uh, we're talking about that already. And then reporting, uh, that we've talked about it in the, in the show, but we uh, build, um, 
announced the the Power BI adapter for VSO and starting to you know bringing um, the reporting into Visual Studio Online via Power BI, which is really 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 cool uh, way of doing mm-hmm. that stuff. But there is still the cost of moving to VSO. You can't just take a database backup and you know export it and then import it into VSO yet or at all um there's reasons why you know from identities changing to the fact that the scheme is completely different and things like that so um it's still a very much uh um a migration rather than a move but um yeah if you can if you can cope with uh, if you can cope with that and you can cope with your data not living in the file anymore um then that's good and when you you know if you're thinking of it's definitely getting to the point where i would recommend it now you know and we've got some big companies not just microsoft using vso for production use and it makes sense now um there are like we've talked you know your company has sort of legislative things that prevent it from going to a cloud-based solution for this type of thing some people do and you're an example of somebody that does, but there are also a lot of people who it's just an emotional thing, and that's fine. You know, some sometimes it's just like you don't want to do. You know, is there a blocker? And people are kind of locked in this logjam of assuming there must be, but not not being able to find somebody that can tell them that there is one. You know, but they assume there must be. So make sure that there is like a reason if you should be using on-prem or not. Um, but it's fine. You know, there's going to be an on-prem version for as long as I can tell. Um, so, you know, don't feel like you have to, but do know that the VSO, you know, is does get the features sooner. You don't have to upgrade it. You get out of the business of maintaining that server. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's pretty easy. Just it, the fact that the VSO team themselves use it and, and we've got major teams like the Windows team and people using it as well should give you, hopefully to give you a bit of confidence. And when I do demos now, I never, ever, ever, ever use a vm of tfs to do a demo anymore i just always point to an instance in vso and i find the cloud more reliable than my own vm so that's something. <laughs> and conference wi-fi so you know if i can if i'll trust conference wi-fi and vso to get me connected because vso you use so little bandwidth anyway then uh, i should uh, you know that says a lot right there we go and then, um, so when you are migrating, um, there's some different options. Mohammed Radwan's got some options there. And then also, um, Aparna Chinya, apologies for butchering your name, probably, um, over on the TFS setup blog had a nice, uh, post about how to actually move. If you wanted to migrate a project from TFVC to, um, Git, how to do that and migrate the history and we've, we've kind of talked about it before you know you use git tf to do that and you can clone with history martin hinchwood's done a few blog posts there as well so there we yeah. go yeah mahatma's post is nice this is you know the whole migrating it using ops hub and uh source control and work items and, and the whole bits so once you get yeah the yeah, yeah. On- using different different ways of doing it it's cool yeah 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 and the pros and cons yep um so you know one of the things uh, that i always uh, that, that, you know, gets me up in the morning is the APIs and how, you know, uh, how we can break out of any box that's provided to us. So Karsten Kemp mm-hmm. wrote a great, nice long article on building your own platform or building a customized ALM pat- platform on top of TFS and VSO. So again, you don't have to, if, if what you see yeah, is that not was what the you other, have. That was yeah. the other objection was like the extensibility and that's kind of, 
fixed now, really, in yeah. lots of different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes through and he creates a, a, a cool – let me see. Is it a Windows 10 or – he doesn't say, but the source is available. looks like uh, application about creating a cool dashboard. looks like a Windows 8, 10 modern app. That, that gets the data underneath and presents it to the user with uh, custom swim lanes and uh, all that goodness. So, you know, the, the, the deal is that you just don't have to be in the box. You know, you can get at all the stuff in both services outside of the box. That TFS Evolution app looks awesome as well. It looks really, really yeah, nice. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? The visualizations are amazing. I'm going to go check that out and give it a try. Get to my own server. That that's really cool. If one, yeah, just oh yeah, the source is available. It's on GitHub. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I'm going to go give it a go. And it uses all. It's, that's so. It's not just a good proof of point on using the APIs. It actually looks like a useful, you know, nice touch-based app. It's great. <laughs> you can actually use it. Wow. I know. Crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Carson obviously built a good um, a good plugin there in that TFS evolution application. You know, explaining the extensibility and. Um, mm-hmm. Colin Dembovsky has also done a, a VSO extension. Um, so this is actually not only can you, ex, you know, build on top of the APIs to get access to the data and do stuff in VSO, but you can plug into the web UI in VSO as well. And that's what Colin did. And he just added a, um, you know, when you're in a build and the build fails and you want to just retry the build and try and, right. you know, make it see if it will work again. Well, he has a way of you know doing that and allowing you to kick off a new build and, and see if it's working. So um, he added the retry option to builds. And uh, yeah, well, yeah, you always have to retry it because you never know. Yeah. If you find that retrying it does magically fix things, then you probably want to fix something in your build process. Um, <laughs> if not touching source control and you were still, you know, and then, but something still magically started working again, then that's usually a bad sign. So, um, it's usually a sign of like, uh, often it's unit tests that are not, you know, um, not written atomic quite enough. Properly. Yeah. 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 Not quite atomic enough. Or sometimes it's like they rely on, um, you know, external resources that fail, um, like file shares or talking to, you know, maybe unit tests are actually integration tests and that's fine. But, um, you know, the integration, maybe the service that it was talking to died and things. So, yeah. Anyway, it's always when you need the retry build option, it, that, that is always a, that's a smell as well that maybe I need to improve something in my build process. But hey, we've all had those builds where you hit retry and it works again. <laughs> and I've done that so many times, even in projects I've been involved with in Microsoft. So, you know, yeah. I'm not one to lecture. So do it. Definitely. It's definitely worth an option. Um, also worth checking out is the, the developer support team. The Team Foundation server team have the best developer support group. So these are, um, these aren't, you know, if you ring product support, they're not the very first people you get through to on the phone, but then you get routed through to these people. And this is, um, uh, sort of Trevor Hancock and Nitesh and George and people over on the team. They're actually based mostly in Charlotte, I think. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, um, they're a, a great team that do kind of, you know, real deep and dirty TFS support and no, probably know more about TFS than definitely know more about TFS than I do now. But even, you know, when I was still on the team, um, know more about 
actual real issues you find when running TFS. These are the guys that know exactly how to get things solved. And they've, they've been doing a blog for a while. I think we've had a couple of posts that we've pointed out to you there. But if you just go to the blogs.msdn.com, WACB, DSTFS, then as they find issues out in the real world, they not only, you know, they blog about them and give you the, give you the way to fix them. So it's worth going and having a quick search there. And if you see a blog post, you know, if you're doing a search in Google or Bing, if you're bingling on Google and um, <laughs> you, you find a result that gets you to the DTFS blog, the DSTFS blog, then definitely trust that as a as like the definitive. This is how you fix it, because this is um, that's exactly what that's come from the support people behind TFS. So it's ALM Ranger time. Yep. And I, I'm a little sad with this news, but glad as well. The version control guidance. This is guidance that the ALM team, ALM Ranger team has been having out for ever. Yeah, since uh, yeah, since Doug Newman was involved in it in the very that's like five years ago, I think. I remember even longer, ten years ago, maybe. I don't know. Yep. And this was like you know, it came from the TFS branching and merging guide. Yep. Uh, so it, it's you know, it had a long history on it, but it's been delivered as a PDF. Yeah. And Word docs. So kind of a, at this point in, in this world today, a little bit of legacy format. So it's in, what did he, how did he term it? Um, da, da, da. It's in, they're not planning a major revision, basically. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, service mode. That's it. From active to service mode. They're done, is what he's saying. Yeah, the, the, the stick a fork in it. They're done. It's done. Um, but the, the more important thing, though, is that they're – have future plans and it's a three-pronged strategy where instead of having this separate documentation that you have to know how to find it and get it, they're going to deliver, you know, crisp markdown-based guidance that's merged into the new version control documentation. So it'll be basically there. Instead of having it all separate and in, in, in different places, they're still due um, – out-of-band blog series on the Visual Studio ALM Rangers blog. Uh, and they're still looking at possibly doing even a pull request-based Git repository for the documentation for VSO and um, the documentation. Yeah, a lot, more, so a lot more of our documentation is moving to kind of markdown files in a repository that then people right. can do a pull request to like submit their own changes to. And that, that's been working really well for us lately. So, yep, it's good. It's always up to date. I like it that way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then last item, last thing for the show. I think we're done. Oh, wow. We yeah. had a good Speaking long Speaking about sp- sticking a fork in it. Uh, yeah. 47 minutes. Um, packet publishing. I, I dig these guys. Yeah. I've done a number of book reviews for them where they've given me the book for free and I've done the, the reviews and stuff. Um, they're doing something that, that actually is really smart and it's not – even slimy or, or, or marketing where anything else. They're basically giving you uh, an ebook for free every day. A different ebook is going to be available every day. Um, and it's just, you have to have an account on their site, but they don't, I have not seen a bunch of spam from them or anything else. Uh, you just basically log into the site, you create your account if you don't already have one, and you just claim your ebook and then it adds it to your library and it's your, it's in your library for forever. Mm. All you have to do is go to the site every day and see what book is there and claim it. So it's a great way to draw traffic and you get stuff for free. They get the traffic. It's pretty much a win-win. Um, what is today's book? Oh, well, that doesn't help. And these there. guys are always, you know, they're just 
a nice sort of scrappy publisher. You know what I mean? They're not. They're not. They just get on with it and just do stuff. They're not one of the bigger ones. So I've, I've and like you say, I've done some stuff with Packet. I've never been spammed by them. They've always seemed to be reasonably classy and things. So yep. And it's all of their books. Uh, today's book is Processing Two Creative Coding. I have no idea. Discover nine kind of problems to engage your audiences with the power of processing. Well, that's learning how to build your own hardware controllers, create robots. Claim your free book, and then you'll know what it's about. Log in. My account is there. Claim your free book. And Visual it's in my library. Right there. Processing to Creative Coding Hotshot. So what have you got to lose? Just go get your free training. You can figure out if it's relevant for you later. Yeah. And they've got books. Yesterday was Learning End Service Bus. Today before, Mastering Engine N. Inject and inject and inject for dependency, uh, you know, open CVS for R, R starter, node web development. It, it, it's just goes the gambit. So you just have to go there and claim it. Cool. I didn't know about that at all. So thanks for doing that. And if you, and then obviously the, you know, if it's not one of the three books, you can go buy the book from their site as well. So you can tell, you can see what makes it makes sense of them, but it's, you know, you might as well get the three books along with your free Xbox games. If you're, if you're doing that, you know. <laughs> Oh yeah. Cool. Okay, well that's the show. Thank you very much for your time. That's been I enjoyed that one. That's good. It's, yeah, that I, I'm enjoying show. this. This is a good way of keeping up with what's going on in TFS land now. I'm over in my new <laughs> Um if people have got feedback then do email radio tfs at outlook.com or you can drop us a voicemail on one four two five two three three eight three seven nine. We'll have to try and set up those shows now, uh with with, with the people we were mentioning. Let's go and get them booked in. And um, and, um yeah, go ahead. One thing though, if if you get bounced because we're still working to get the outlook.com Sorry, yeah. you can try uh, account it, back up take... radio tfs at gmail.com. Yep. There we go. Thank you. And we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS.